And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Thursday, you know what that means? It's instruction, the most popular day of the week. Hope you're having a great week. Stripe Show Podcast brought to you by Encore Golf. Encore designs high-performance golf balls for players of all skill levels and swing speeds. Joining me here today on a Thursday, he had to have a little surgery to slow him down, and that's why perhaps he's taking the time now to finally come on the podcast. You know him as the dew sweeper, Tony Ruggiero. How you doing, Tony? Man, I'm doing great, Travis. I appreciate you uh, extending the offer to come on and uh, uh, been wanting to do this for a while and uh, take t- took a little colon surgery to slow me down, but uh, uh, we're coming back, easing back into it. So looking forward to teaching some golf. Oh, good. Everything's uh, recovering and um, kind of slowly working back into the teaching, I'd imagine. Yeah, you know, easing back into it. I taught my first couple lessons. Uh, I guess it would have been eight days after after the surgery. And then uh, uh, so it's been 10, 11 days. And I taught a couple on Saturday and and I've got a young man in from Arkansas. I'm working with a little yesterday and today, but but pretty light load for me, as you know how it is. I mean, yeah, uh, you get everybody wanting to get on your book. It's hard to slow down, but uh, sometimes sometimes they force you to do it. Yeah, sometimes it's a good thing, right? Take a step back and yeah, look it at is. it. From 10,000 feet. And uh, well, it's good that you're recovering, getting back out there. I know you do a lot of teaching there in Mobile, Alabama. And I also know you've got some performance retreats coming up uh, down in Doral, right? Trump Doral that you do with with Rick Smith. Tell us about that before we get into some instruction here. Well, I've done these, you know, performance retreats where I have, uh, and I know you and I are going to talk about it, but this, you know, I have a team of folks that I use that I've been fortunate to be around Colby Tuye, Dr. Greg Carton, Morgan Hale, Wayne Flint, bunch of teachers and bring them together and have folks come. And it's, it's a little different format. In fact, it's, you know, we all work together as a team, uh, very small groups and we play golf together, have dinner and hang out. And, you know, I had started doing those years ago and as they've, as we've gotten better and, a little bit more known. We've moved to bigger and better places. And, and I had the opportunity uh, when I left Frederica several months ago and decided I went on my own, like self-discovery mission here, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life when I grew up. Um, you know, I, Kevin Kirk is a, is a dear friend and a great teacher and him and Rick Smith had partnered. He had started doing some stuff with Rick down at Doral and uh, we all got together and, Doral's a really cool place. Those mm-hmm. have been it. It's an iconic place in the world of golf and instruction and uh, unbelievable hotel. And so I'm going to be, I'm starting in December 14th and 15th, bringing folks down there and doing that. Uh, it's going to be fun. Going to be fun. Awesome. Check it out. You can go to his Instagram at the Dew Sweeper. And I always enjoy talking golf with Rick Smith. He's been on. God, how good is he to talk with? A couple I mean, times. Yeah. He articulates things. Uh, very well. Smart man, of course, and has uh, had a lot of success. But I want to get to some of your teaching. You've had a lot of success. I know you work with a number of players. I'm going to ask about a couple of them as we go. Richie Wierenski is one of them. Um, but you also develop a lot of collegiate players, junior players. And when I look at your videos, one of the things I see you using a lot is resistance bands. I see you holding the resistance bands in different areas uh, whether it's the hips, you know, the bands around the knees. I've seen a, a young girl holding it in her hands and stretching it back behind her. Right. These resistance drills that you do, tell my audience about it. What's what's the purpose and goal when you're providing resistance like that on players? Well, I learned a long time ago 
I had a great mentor, Hank Johnson, who recently passed away. He was a, you know, Golf Digest top 50, Golf Magazine top 100 guy, early Golf Digest schools teacher. And, and, and he was ahead of his time when it came to using the body and understanding the body. And he told me a long time ago, and I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of these things you hear when you're young, I mean, hell, you don't even really know if they're right, but you try them and see mm -hmm. if they work. Right. And, and it was, you know, he would tell you that if, if, uh, if you use resistance to try to pull the body towards whatever the flaw is, for example, if, if a person is sliding or moving laterally off the ball, if you're using a band to pull them towards that flaw, like pull them to slide, and they have to learn to resist it. They learn the they learn how to do it correctly. They learn the correct body motion. They learn to they learn to make the correct body mechanics. And uh, you know, a lot of people when it comes to sliding, they'll put something like if you're a right-handed player, put something beside their right hip, and they just try to miss it. And while that obviously can help you, but if if you pull the person towards their flaw, and they have to learn to make the opposite motion to resist it. I think they learn that correct body movement pattern easier. And mm -hmm. so that along with a bunch of my work with Colby Touye and Morgan Hale that works here with me, you know, you started learning to use resistant bands and weights and different things like that to help people learn to perform the correct body movement uh, pattern that we would want in the golf swing and train them to do that before we put a club in their hand and before we have them hit a golf ball. And uh, for me, and like I always tell folks that the stuff that I talk about when it comes to teaching works for me. I, I can't tell you that it works for everybody or for every teacher, but I like to share what we do because it, it works for us. And so I've, as I've gone down that road with Colby, he's been a huge influence on my teaching. One of the biggest, maybe the biggest influence, especially in the last six, seven, eight years learning to train people and improve their body movement patterns away from the golf swing has made a huge, a huge impact on how much better our players get with their mechanics. Yeah. And it's almost like you're kind of creating the, the context and you're saying, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to pull you this way. Like you said, a sway right-handed player, I'm going to pull you to sway. And they're like, well, no, you're not. I'm going to, I'm going to resist and, and, and turn and stabilize. And it's like, now they, they start, well, what do you feel when you do that? Right. And now right. they're self-discovering without you telling them, Hey, why don't you move this hip like this? Do the knee like this, do the, you know, it's yeah. like a laundry list of things becomes apparent to them. And they're just like, Oh, I just basically do this, not to sweat. It's like, perfect. <laughs> right. It's that's exactly yeah. it. You know, and, and, and because like, you know, if, if we lined a hundred people up and we asked them to do one thing, they'd all feel it a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've found if you can get somebody doing the correct movement pattern and they figure out what it feels like to them, you know, it, it, and to me, the fascinating thing is the way different players feel things. Yeah. And so it's been to me, it, that's a huge part of our training. Uh, heck, in our, our studio here in Mobile, we got bands laying around all over when I go to, uh, you know, when I go on the road, I'm going uh, this week up to see Richie. Um, you know, I'll take them with me uh, and so forth. Same deal down at Doral so, or mm -hmm. in Montgomery. So, you know, I, to me, that's an easy – to me, that gets people to make a change quicker. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, and, and like I always – I can remember working with a lot of younger teachers mm -hmm. and, and saying to them, look, one of the things that's important is you have to get the language established. Like what is the language that that player 
is reacting to and, and is speaking and making sure there's no gaps between that. And the best way to do that is just create these environments where they're self-discovering and they're telling you, this is, you know, this is what's happening. And now you can start talking that language with them and man, off you go. One of the bands that I see you use is you put it kind of around the legs, around just the, above, yeah. you know, just above the knees. Right. So it's, it's almost like a, a band you would see in the gym where you're pushing your knees apart to get your glutes activated. And I see players swinging it when they do that. Talk about that. Well, that's one of my favorites. Um, you know, I, I think we see a lot of folks, everybody's been told to get more weight behind it, more pressure behind it, all of those things. Right. And in, in doing so, a lot of people don't know exactly how to do it. And they also don't know how to engage their body and move correctly. And so if you put those band, so if you, I, I've just found, I use it for a variety of things, but like, a, you know, I like, we all, any, we all, all teachers have preferences, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and those of us that say we don't, we're lying, right? But we all like, if a person comes to us as a blank slate, we'd have things we'd prefer. And I, I don't like a lower body that's got a lot of movement and active and crazy stuff happen all over. That doesn't mean that if a really good player, a tour player came to me and had that and was great, I, I, I would change it. But I like a, a really good foundation below you. And I've found that if you put that band across your knees, when the player pushes out on that band, out, you know, uh, away, they're pushing both knees out away. It engages their core. And then in order to make a good backswing or to get the club back, they've got to learn to wind their upper body up over their lower body. Uh, and create more pressure behind the ball, but they do it in a more centered rotary motion rather than a lot of linear and lateral. Mm-hmm. So a good backswing, let's talk about that, kind of a preference here. Okay, That's uh, a good segue. A, for you, a good backswing or a good turn, let's say, in the backswing is, is what? I like an upper body that winds up, that starts the backswing, and as your upper body turns – it winds your lower body up and it turns your right. We're talking about a right-handed player here Mm -hmm. winds into your right hip and you go as far as the person's range of motion allows. Okay. And I think that, uh, you know, that's where I start with players of all ability. I try to get their upper body to wind up over a stable lower body. And then, you know, we know from biomechanics now and all the stuff that's out there and, uh, you know, I do a bunch of stuff with Dr. Scott Lynn and it, you know, everybody's different. Every, everybody gets different amounts of pressure back there. Um, and I like to go refine that after the fact, but when I start with a player, especially developing a young player, maybe like a junior, a 14, 15, 16 year old, I like to really start with the pivot and learn to get them to wind their upper body up into their lower body, create more pressure in that right side, really wind into their right hip and their right butt cheek. Uh, feel that right butt cheek turn back. We always talk about like if you had a yardage book in your back pocket, right back pocket, it would feel like it's turning and driving back into the wall behind you. But those are the, you know, the common things. And I'd, you know, try to get rid of a lot of excess arm movement that happens when the pivot stops. You know, mm-hmm. I see folks that don't have much turn and then the arms lift and move and try to get the club to where they feel like their backswing should go. So I try to get the club and the arms and your body matched up as your pivot your upper body winds up over your lower body. And, and most of your players looks like there's, there's kind of a change of knee flex happening there, mm-hmm. you know, like that right knee for a right-handed player. There's, there's some give in the right leg The you know, the hips kind of climbing the left knees coming across. Um, there's no, it's, it, 
the idea is that you're not turning your lower, like you're turning your lower and, and, and even some change of knee flex, right? Oh, absolutely. And again, though, that's where I think like the ability to have somebody like a Colby, somebody like a Morgan with you, because mm-hmm. like you got to find out what they physically can and can't do to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I taught a young guy forever, um, played on tour for a year. And then we got back together. Bobby Wyatt played at Alabama, played on the Walker cup great yeah. player. Like Bobby was like a human Gumby, right? <laughs> like, you know, he, he could, he could get his, you know, he could get his shoulder to this and his trunk turned all the way club to parallel and his knees not change flex. Wow. Right. And, and again, I, you know, as, as I've grown as a teacher, I'd like to think I've grown and I've continued to try to, figure out more things about why the pivot works or why certain things work. I've realized everybody's, you know, different, but you, you know, you got to find out what they can and can't do. And so mm-hmm. that's where, that's where having Colby and Morgan and those type of people with you help because you'll find out, okay, this person can't turn or get back very far unless you let the right knee move more or right. unless you let them release this. So on and so forth. So um, that's why I think teaching is becoming more and more of a collaborative effort of different sciences. Yeah. And you got to get in there and do it. You know, it's one oh. thing to study it and mm-hmm. say, okay, this is what the science is saying. But the reality is, is like you have to get in there and start moving people and start saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then they do it. And then you're, you evaluate that and they're hitting and then not, and don't be afraid to change course a little bit as you go. Don't be afraid for the, to let the player kind of, you know, struggle a bit as they yeah. work through the different patterns. Like that's just all part of the process. And I, you know, that trial and error and getting in there and just learning as a teacher, like you're going to you know, I've made a lot of mistakes um, through the years and like, yeah, mm-hmm. it probably wasn't the best way to go about that. And then you kind of learn from it as the years go on and, and then you become a better teacher for it. But those reps um, in the trenches with players is, is everything. And, you know, the turn and the backswing, God, the backswing matters. I mean, it just, oh, sure. if I hear it one more time, the only thing that, counts as impact swing your swing it's like yeah i mean okay yeah i mean tour players i get it they're the most skilled players but the average player getting them some structure going back my goodness makes the game so much easier i think every player you know it's like loading a gun yeah and you know i i i think i think the better the player the more you do it set up and the more you do a little bit taking it away from the ball and the less you have to do in the forward swing. I think Mm -hmm. if you get a really good player in the place they need to be at the backswing, they're already great. They figure out how the hell to go through from there, you know? And, uh, but I think that like, I mean, just focusing on impact, like you've got to help any player figure out where they need to get to and wound up correctly so that going through the ball is easier in my opinion. And I think, you know, I think getting wound up correctly with good structure and and obviously a, a, a really good club face is 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 critical and and yeah. just taking somebody I think and focusing on an impact can help them with some chips and pitches right but heck I mean they gonna chip their way around a damn golf course probably not at some <laughs> point they're gonna want to put a bigger club in their hand so I think they've got to learn how to get wound up correctly so they can deliver it all right let's, let's talk about coming down now here's a here's a statement I'll let you finish this sentence preparing. We hear this word a lot coming down, preparing the shaft and the face in transition slash downswing um, is what to you? Well, I think it's, 
I mean, a loaded question, right? But I, mm -hmm. I don't focus a ton on the face or the shaft because I think you can affect change in the face. Well, I should the face, you know, I like to get the face really good and square or however we want it at the top. And then I think the face and the shaft react a big degree to how the body moves coming out of the top. And so I try to make a lot of those changes, if at all possible, and I'm not saying that by any means that that's possible 100% of the time. I like to change where the path and the, sh the face and the shaft is by how the body moves and how the pressure shifts and how it changes coming out of the top. And the, you made, there's, so there's a statement you made there. You like get the face square at the top right. Right? or get the face square, maybe even ish. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> Not open. Right. For the amateur player. <laughs> no, no. Like I think the, and I think the hardest people to teach are open guys that were pretty decent players that were open. Man. Right. Amen. Because they, because they already figured out how to tie that up a little and they probably don't have as much rotation going through. So you got, I mean, those are the ones you got to be careful yeah. with the guys that were good players with a little bit open face, but no, um, you know, it's always easy. I've got a really good college player. He just, uh, made, uh, you know, um, made the watch list, uh, yesterday, uh, Ben Carr plays at Georgia Southern super, super shut, mm. right? Like crazy shut. But we made the decision like, hey, let's not fix it. This kid's already great, right? You know, he started working three years ago or so. So like, but but there are limitations when you have that. You got to understand yeah. the limitations that the face has. but And you got to understand like how you match that up. But uh, for sure, I'm not a huge open face guy. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a difference. I always tell there's a difference if a Corn Ferry Tour player comes to you mm -hmm. with the face open versus a 17 handicap comes to you plays <laughs> once a right with the face open correct as a teacher you're looking at both those okay this guy clearly is learning how to make things work coming down around that right. face so i gotta tread lightly and then this guy over here come here give me that club face you know <laughs> like let's get that club face more shut at the top we're shutting that face on the on the on the amateur nine times out of 10, you know, we're going to get it more prepared early. Like you said at the top or the, with the corn fair player, it's like, we're going to, we got to tread lightly, you know, because we got, if, if we change the grip and or wrist angle, now all of a sudden you come down now, there's got to be something else different. And to your point, that better player with that face, just a little open is a tough one. You know, my motto is with, with good players like corn fairy players, Latin players, PGA tour players, um, I was given some great advice by Bill Harmon teaching them. Mm. We, we talked together a few times and, and Billy said that his dad always looked at players at, like we're talking about tour players, like what do they do well? Okay. Instead of looking at the stuff that's not good or wrong, which I think is our tendency as teachers to look at a golf swing and like, what if this isn't, isn't good, but to look at things mm. in terms of like, what does this guy do? That's good. Why does it work? and then figure out how to make them better from there. And that, that was a big thing for me in my teaching. And I've really tried to do that as I, especially with good players. Uh, and, and I think that when you start looking at good players through that camera lens, um, do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today, is your lucky day because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at Pinned Golf. Their brand new Ace Rangefinder is amazing and it's only $199. I've been using it 
for a couple of weeks now, and I was blown away with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin locked vibration technology. So you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge. So you can forget about those little batteries. Every other range finder makes you buy one 45 minute charge lasts you 50 plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at pin golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping. When you use code stripe show, that's code stripe show. I'm telling you for $175, you simply cannot beat the ACE range finder. Head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the ACE and get dialed in. You have a different approach to how you help people. Yeah. And I think to that point, when you look at teachers and you're watching their stuff and their videos, like I, I have a, a nice appreciation for, for, I think more so with teachers that have this wide range of, you know, patterns and mm-hmm. players that you see, right. They don't all look cookie cutter the same where it's, you know, face square shaft bit vertical shallows flexion in the wrists, rotation exit plan, you know, like, yeah. Check, 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 check all the way down this, you know, beauty list. And and those might be some preferences and we, and we probably share some of those, but at the end of the day, if you're, if your business is teaching tour players, I like to see like, wow, there's a, there's a range of patterns here. Like, you know, I mean, it's, that's the only thing with Butch. Like I just, there's a lot of, a lot of different patterns going on here and yet they're all winning. You Correct. Know? He's the best, right? <laughs> that's he's the, that's he's crazy. The best. That's good yeah. stuff. He's the best in the world at it. And, um, you know, that's why I'm proud of if you look at the guys I've taught and had success with developed or taught as tour players, they all hit different shapes, have different looks. uh, And we've tried to find ways to help them. But as a teacher also, you know, a big moment for me as a teacher was working with Lucas Glover when I started. Because, like, look, like you mentioned, like shaft on the plane, kind of club swing a little more left. I mean, that's kind of how I was taught to teach. Right. And uh, not zero and out, but more along that line. And there comes a guy that wants to hit a big draw, right? So you had to learn, okay, well, that stuff I've been working on probably isn't going to hit a big draw. What do I got to do? And so, you know, I think that as we go along teaching tour players, we also learn. And I think it's healthy as a teacher also to to have players come to you that force you to step outside your box a little bit. You know, yeah. Lucas certainly did that for me. Um, we had a great five-year run, and, and and he's an awesome player and a good friend. But, like, you, you know, so I wasn't a guy that ever taught anybody to curve it that much. So you had to learn to think in those terms, right? So it right. made me a better teacher. And I spent some time with Willie Wilcox, right? And Willie Wilcox was super unorthodox, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a homemade swing, like those, those swings. And uh, – you know, a little bit of time with Bill Haas, like those swings that aren't like what we would put up and they, they check every box for what we would want, yeah. but they've had a lot of success and you got to figure out why they're good. See, that's true. And you know, that's like the, that's the coaching aspect of mm-hmm. it, right? When, when you're into that is like digging in there and figuring out, right. You know, the DNA of that player and protecting that player, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then, and, and oftentimes, like you said, it could be it's it can be simpler stuff, just little things that address or a little bit of this or a little bit of that with these guys, but trying to maximize and protect their DNA. And there's there's no perfect roadmap to it because every player is so different and every pattern can be so different, you know, and that's just the whole complexity 
of the golf swing. I always go back to a story. You talked about Bill Harmon. I used to work for him at Golf Channel. We did a show called On the Range, mm-hmm. and I got to spend every Wednesday night with him, and he just – well, he'd basically make fun of me for like an hour on air, like every night and, you know, needle me to death. But we had some great conversations and just picking his brain about coaching. And he shared something very similar to that. I can remember Mike Bender came in one time and he told me a story. He says, you know, he goes, do you know what the, do you know what Zach Johnson's path is with the wedge? And I was like, well, probably four to the right, three to the right. He goes, no, it's 10. <laughs> <laughs> And I, cause I, because I asked him, I said, why does Zach make so many wedge shots? Mm-hmm. You know, cause he's one of the best wedge players yeah, ever. ever. And he makes like, it feels like he makes a wedge every week, mm-hmm. 80 yards or something. And he goes, you know, I think it's because of his path. He hits a draw and I'm thinking, all right, you know, four degrees, whatever. And he goes, no, it's 10. Like, Come on. But who, how many of us would teach a 10 degree into out wedge path? Not many. It, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he taught it or if that's what Zach, right. Zach prefers, but right. that was, and, my, and I got to thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, so the ball's tumbling. You know, he starts it right. The ball's always working in towards the flag. I never thought of that. Like, you know, I mean, I thought of that, but not at 10 degrees. Like, right. No, no question. Like, I'm not sure I'm letting that go, it, you know, in my, on my, on my tee, less than tee. <laughs> no, probably not. And I mean, but that's the genius of a guy like, uh, like Mike, right. That understood the guy's great at that and not changing it, you know, and I've tried to get better at that as I've gotten older, you know, yeah. I just turned 50 and think I feel like I'm circling the drain, but, um, you know, like if somebody's really good, I think sometimes the hardest thing on a lesson T is to say like, man, that's like really good. I don't know that we need to do anything because so many of us feel like we're not working or not doing anything if we're not talking and not changing anything. Right. And sometimes the hardest thing to do and the best thing to do for a player is tell them that they, that they, uh, that, that they're doing the right thing and they need to go figure out how to shoot a low sc- lower score with it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, Jordan Spieth, you know, mm-hmm. he struggled there for the better part of two to three years. And I'm sure Cameron McCormick, who's a great coach, mm-hmm. I'm sure Cameron was pushed to the limit of just, trying to get this thing figured out, you know, and, and trying to get Jordan back on track. And supposedly what really it came down to, and for kind of Jordan to kind of get back on track and not hit these hooks and things off the tee and get some confidence was just kind of this reverse engineering saying, all right, Jordan, here's where you want to be at impact, right? This is, this is kind of where, you know, in your day, just kind of isolate this impact position and swing through. And this is in essence, where you were and perhaps what does that feel like to get the ball to do X, you know, and, and don't, don't worry about this uh, club position. Just, just is kind of where you need to be. And this is how it feel, or this is where it exits. And what does that feel like? And let's just do some little ones. Right. So it's kind of like start from impact. Mm-hmm. So it was like this reverse engineering. And then from there, I was like, okay, let me just take it back and go do it and not worry about what it looks like. And then off Jordan goes this reverse engineering. Have you ever kind of, been down that path with some of your players. Yeah, I think that, you know, I most of the time to me when a player gets off and lost would be the word and they get where you have to reverse engineer it's because they got away from who they are in a in a search to try to add something extra that they thought they needed to have to be better, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so and then ultimately I think most of those players come back saying I just want to get back to what I used to do. Hell, I was better then. 
uh, but they, but most of them have to find it for themselves. And so, yeah, I did a little bit of that with Lucas when we started looking at old stuff. I'd go back on YouTube and, and look at that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my longtime assistant Jackson court, who's up at Frederica, not far from y'all has helped me a bunch with that stuff with, with Billy Haas. And I don't know that we did, I did a great job with that, but, uh, and, and again, I mean, in, in some of my later, uh, episodes with Smiley Kaufman after the original version, uh, a lot of it was looking at old videos from that year he played his played phenomenal golf and trying to help him get back to that. Right. And so I think that we all do that to a certain extent, especially when it comes to, um, cause I'm not one of those teachers that wants to teach somebody and have them go out and they say, Oh, you can tell that guy's been working with Tony Ruggiero because his mm. golf swing looks like this. Right. Right. I, I want to help you find out what you got to do to play your best. So, uh, I think that when we have experienced guys that have won or they've been very successful at the PGA tour level, all of us are doing that to a certain extent when they come to us because, you know, they've had success or they wouldn't be out there and we're trying to help them get back to what that was. How many times a player come to you in the last, I don't know, see 12 to 18 months and says, Tony, I, I got to get 10 more yards. <laughs> what percent yeah. of player? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've had one that, you know, that started a downward spiral and, and we don't work together anymore. And, and, uh, I mean, I taught him from when he was a kid and he was a really good player, but I think that's what started the downfall to not play him very good. Um, you know, I, look, I think that we see that more and more and we got to get better at handling it. Um, uh, you know, and that's another reason I've involved folks like Colby is to help them understand how to create more speed in the gym, doing the things, doing, moving their body the way they've moved it. Right. Instead Mm -hmm. of changing and overhauling everything for distance, you know, and for speed and, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a danger out out there. Right. And we're going to continue to have tour players that ask that question. Um, I'm fortunate though, for right now, I don't have any that are like preoccupied with that, but I'm sure that as soon as I say that one will come in next week and say that. uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, but I try I try my best when I sit down with them, the first part to say, Hey, here's the things I see. And if we do this correctly, normally I think if you get the body moving correctly and the correct body movements, you know, most of the time the speed increases or gets, and they, I mean, a real good way to hit it further is to hit it more solid, (laughs) you know, Uh, and more solid, more of the time. So, uh, you know, I try to address it on the front end and say like, Hey, here's where you are. Here's where we're going. If we get these, this, these things working, right. Your body moving, better, more efficiently, well, then, heck, we're going to, you know, I think a byproduct's going to be speed, man. It's hard as a teacher if the person's only chasing speed. I'm probably, not, I'm probably not your guy, right? I really yeah. am. And, and I think one of the things I'm trying to get better at as a teacher is, is turning down the jobs that are destined to not be very good. Man, it's hard, right? It you all, we all want to teach them. But I'm trying to get better at saying, you know what? Like I taught a guy for a year, and he had his best year ever, finished 80th, Fired me because I didn't give him enough science, right? Never kept his card, really. Finished 80th or 82nd on the money list. Fires me. Needed more science and all that kind of stuff. You know what? I'm not the right guy for that guy. You know? And I got to do better at not picking those, right? (laughs) You know? And saying, hey, I'm not a good fit. That's kind of my challenge for myself as a teacher. And I know lots of teachers watch, listen and watch this, too, and get information. And it's hard when you're coming up and you want to teach every good player but also going down the road with somebody that's not a good fit for you doesn't help you either. 
I'm looking at the driving distance <clears throat> right now on the PGA Tour. Of course, it's a limited sample size. They were in Vegas. The ball is going to go a little bit longer there. But right now, if you average 300 yards off the tee, <laughs> you are currently 179th on tour in distance. Crazy. That is crazy. And that's yeah, through the Zozo what do you Championship. Say about that, limited right? sample size, but... Yeah, but what do you say about that? You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, the, the, the sad part is, to me, is that young players coming up that haven't got to their body to the point where they can hit it or that maybe aren't going to get to that point get defeated and don't want to keep pursuing mm-hmm. greatness because they feel like they can't uh, because they can't compete. Because, dang, if you only hit it 270, it is hard to compete with. I mean – the, the number of courses you could compete with a guy hitting at 330 are very limited, and you're probably not going to play those on a Corn Ferry or a Latin Tour event. Right. Yeah, that's a staggering number. I, you know, I mean, we got oh, Vegas crazy. in there and some other, but, you know, it's still like that's I would have it's, said a, it's a crazy number. And um, go ahead. <laughs> I would have said like 80th or something. I wouldn't have picked that far. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. Uh, Cameron Champs played two rounds, so he's number one at 340. Matthew Wolf, 336, and then, you know, on down the list here. Yeah, you said a lot there that, you know, it's just – there are a lot of teachers that listen to this, and there's a lot of, you know, obviously amateurs that listen to this as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it's fun to kind of give both, you know, some mm-hmm. some things to think about. My audience, and always has been, you know, is the amateur player. Like, I, I right. tend to speak to the amateur player – when I taught a lot, <clears throat> I certainly, you know, my, my niche was kind of like yours, developing junior players, high school, and getting them into college, working with them some there. Um, but developing the, the junior player, although I did work with a few tour players here and there, never wanted to travel the tour. You're and I, fe- I, fe- I, I kind of felt like my niche was kind of more into just developing younger players mm-hmm. and, 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 and developing amateur golfers. And that's what I did. And I've kind of followed that suit into the media form too. But you, like you said, like saying no to, to, to students that you don't think you'd be a good fit for is hard to do, right? Like you said, they're not getting enough science from you. And, but maybe for you, your fit would be better with someone who has too much science and that's okay too. Right. Because yeah. we know the science can wear people out, especially at the highest level with the tour player. It's like, dude, at some point, you got to get up there and hit it. Like, I don't care what the number says. Like you got to get the ball in the fairway on the green and in the hole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, and <laughs> you know, I, I think science is fantastic and we all, I think all of us have access to a lot of most of the same sure. information now. Right. Travis, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody's coming out with regardless of what they want to say on social media, anything that's so revolutionary, it's going to change everything you and I say. Um, but, uh, you know, so I think that when it comes to playing golf, less is better, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we sh- you, we want to help a player understand what it is they need to do, be able to measure it so we can get back to it, prove that we're getting better, all those things. But, I, you know, I think I think less is more when it comes – I think with all players, not just tour players, I think, you know, I think we see lots of folks that get too much information. Um, you know, it's our job to be able to understand all the information and then spoon feed what the player needs. Yeah, but you know, different players. Every player's different, um, and you know, if you're the guy that wants to know every TrackMan number and go over every data point, I'm probably not your guy. 
right? And yeah. I can give you a list of guys that would be great to go to for that. Um, but that's also, though, realizing that's probably a weakness of mine. Um, oh, we lost my That is also why I've tried to add parts and people to my team that supplement what I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, uh, like I'm, so that's why I've added Dr. Scott Lynn. He's, you know, he's yeah. one of the best biomechanics experts in golf. Right. So having him be a resource for me and for my players is fantastic. Um, it, looking at me, although I've lost weight during the surgery and I joke that it's my new weight loss program, but, um, like fitness isn't, wouldn't have been my forte, but so involving Colby and Morgan was a huge benefit, right? Like, so that's why I think that as a teacher for me, having, having tools accessible to me that fill the parts I'm not good at, help me be a more complete teacher. Let's finish with this. I know, um, you know, right now you've got uh, a number of players. You work with uh, Beatrice Ricari on the LPGA tour, Tom Lovelady. I've been seeing. Oh man, more, uh, that pounded. What's that? He can hammer it. Yeah. You want to talk about long. <laughs> yeah, Love Lady, of course, played at Alabama. Um, Rick Lamb, Andy Ogletree, who played well in the Masters uh, last yep. year. Zach uh, Sucher. And then Richie Warinsky, who I want to ask you about. Give my, I've talked about Richie here and there on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, over this, this last year as we, as we break down fields and whatnot. Give, give, my, um, give my audience a feel on, uh, on Richie and, and what we can expect from him this year. Richie and I just started several months ago. Um, I've known Richie out there from working with other players, and he kind of fits me and what I do uh, really well. Uh, We get along great, which I think is important. And all we're really really trying to do is improve his – it kind of goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this. You know, I I didn't like the way – or I wouldn't say didn't like, but his way his lower body moved and he wound up going back. Uh, you know, he had a lot of movement all over. So, to, you know, heck, one of the first things we did was that band across the knees to get him stable, right? Mm-hmm. And then him and Colby and I have done a bunch of work on learning to load correctly back into his right hip. So, really, that's all we've done. And and I think our job also as a teacher of tour players is to go slow and to figure out when to put the right ingredients in. And that's one thing, uh, you know, we've just worked on setup and and getting wound up. Uh, but you know, I, the thing I really like about Richie is like, he knows how to play golf. Mm. Right. And he would say like, he's made the comment before, like, Hey, I don't have the best or anywhere close to one of the good golf swings out here. And I've been able to keep my card every year. And I've won once, like if I can get fundamentally better, he's like, I think I can be a lot better. Right. So that tells me when a guy's been able to keep his card every year, win out there and and he would have some things that aren't necessarily ideal. You're like, well, that guy knows how to play golf. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that if we can make little changes um, that help him control the golf ball better and have better control over the club face, then his ability to play golf is going to help him. And he, and he, and the, you know, the, the ceiling for how much better he can get is pretty high. Well, it'd be fun to, um, to watch him um, out there on the PGA tour and love lady, his status is what Tom. Tom is going to be, he's going to corn Ferry final. So he had a PGA tour card. He came out of, I've taught him since college. I've known uh-huh. him forever. Um, earned, earned his corn Ferry card, like right out of college, like boom. Yeah. Corn Ferry P 
PGA Tour card in a year, right? Which mm-hmm. I don't know that is necessarily optimal for a development of a person or a player. Mm-hmm. And uh, finished after his first year in the 126 to 50 category. He finished second, actually, at the opposite field event that year in uh, Kentucky at the Barbasol, I think it is. And um, then he uh, next year he didn't keep his card, and that's when COVID hit. Yeah. Okay. And then he was stuck in that outside 200. There was no Q school. So he went and got a job and uh, worked for Discovery Land Company. And he played a lot of golf, but he was a working person. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I think it was unbelievable for his approach and his attitude towards golf and for his desire to do it. And he came back. You know, we I mean, I've taught him forever and we're close friends. He's a dear friend. And I think of him like my son as much as a student. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but he came back and was like, I think I want to give this one more go. And he was playing in like Met section stuff up there where he was working. He was playing against great uh, competition and winning or finishing well. And, you know, he was uh, uh, came back and said he wanted to do it. And we started working and uh, we've worked a handful of times and it's been going back to old stuff he's done. And, you know, when he was on tour, he was one of the five or, eight longest hitters out there and he's a great wedge player and putter and you know travis that's a recipe for good play on the tour mm-hmm. and he's uber talented and i think mm-hmm. he's learning to handle himself and to think better and and to prepare better and and i'm just super excited about him as a person coming back yeah that's a great story hopefully um yeah sometimes you got to take a step away to 100 percent recharge and have the right attitude coming back tony i um i appreciate like we could talk for another hour or so but <laughs> I know you've got a guy coming in and uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and um, I encourage the listeners check out his uh, go to his Instagram Instagram page the uh, the do sweeper you'll see a post there on the performance retreats and in instruction at Trump Doral a couple dates in December one in January one in February take a little trip to Miami a little beach a little golf and uh, well you can't beat it right that's uh can make some nice changes in the off season, and that's uh, that's an option to do. To Tony, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, Travis. I appreciate it. Appreciate you asking me anytime, and thanks for all you do for growing the game. Programs like yours are awesome. So many folks getting access to teachers and to good information, and and uh, it's helping grow the game and grow what we do as teachers. It's it's awesome and much appreciated. And hopefully, we'll catch up down the road soon. We will. Thanks, Tony. Absolutely. Thank you. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. 